Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of Around the Slice. It is the Monday, the day after the Bills game, as we always do. We are here for the recap episode. I'm just so excited to talk about this game and break it down from every angle because, well, you'll find out soon. But uh, let's just get into it. The Bills beat the Buffalo Bills, beat the Dallas Cowboys in Orchard Park at home 31 to 10. I'll say that again. 31 to 10 by 21 points. Now, I know people are going to say the Cowboys choke every year. The Cowboys always do good in the regular season and choke in the playoffs. Well, this is the regular season. This isn't the playoffs, so I don't care if they choke in the playoffs um, right now. I don't care if they choke in uh, the postseason. I just care about this matchup in particular. And the truth of the matter is the, the Cowboys were one of the best teams in the NFC Heck, one of the best teams in the entire NFL. And from what I saw yesterday, the Buffalo Bills are heating up at the right time and climbing and making their way up there. Um, So that they're making their way up there, and that's awesome. Before I get into an active pregame and anything too specific, I would just like to say the Buffalo Bills needed this. We, as Bills fans, at least me in particular, needed this. It is so nice to just sit back and not like have a mini heart palpitation and mini heart attack and um and uh what was I saying? A mini heart attack and mini heart palpitation for this team. Nice to just sit back and watch it unfold. I mean, the game was pretty much over at halftime. It was 21 to 3 at halftime. Yes, I know we only scored 10 points in the second half, but you gotta put context into that. Josh Allen was out in the fourth quarter. Kyle Allen and the backups came in in the fourth quarter. So it's all about context. We didn't need to score more than 10 in the second half, but we needed this. I mean, think about the teams that the Bills have beaten uh, the last month or what. So they beat the Chiefs and the Cowboys. Before that, they took the Eagles to overtime, and they only lost because of Sean McDermott's I know I'm ineptitude. Is that the right word? Sean McDermott's all out blitz, happy tendencies, and just a lucky 59 yard field goal by Jake Elliott. But we took them in overtime and then beat the Chiefs and then beat the Cowboys. The Buffalo Bills, when I say we, by the way, I'm referring to the Bills, um, we are heating up at the exact right time. I'm telling you, when we get into the postseason, we have a chance to crash the whole damn party, if you will. We have. A chance to make it really hard for people, uh, for teams, I should say, rather. Not people, for teams. Because if, say we do make the wild card. If you're a two seed, which right now it's either looking like the Chiefs, Jaguars, Dolphins, something like that, and the Buffalo Bills are a seven seed, you don't want to play the Buffalo Bills in the wild card around the first round of playoff. They're getting bounced in the first round. And then if we win the AFC East, even worse for that opponent, and that's very much on the table. I'll get into that whole dynamics when I get to my final thoughts or questions today. But I just wanted to lead off with it is so nice to just sit back, watch a Bills game, know it's over by halftime, and move along. I mean, it's I was screaming. I was celebrating. I was so happy. I just haven't felt that, at least this season, not going back to the last season, at, this, at least this season, I honestly haven't felt that way since, coincidentally, week four. Another huge rival at Miami, and not at Miami, but you know what I mean, versus Miami in Buffalo. So that week 18 matchup, this time it is at Miami, in Miami versus the Dolphins is looking pretty, pretty elite right now. So 
Yeah. Uh, pre pregame inactive. So there were five. There's usually like seven for the Bills, but there were five because two were injury related. So safety Micah Hyde and defensive end Ed Japanaza. <clears throat> so that means guys like Von Miller, Shaq Lawson, Kingsley Jonathan all had to step up in Epinesa's place, but we already knew this on the pre-episode Friday I talked about. I recorded about an hour or so after McDermott did um, excuse me, rule out Hyde and Epinesa. So I said who would have to step up, and they did. Taylor Rapp, Cam Lewis, Jordan Poyer, they all stepped up. I'll get to that. Spoiler alert, I guess, but you could probably already guess this from my tone when they and how I've been leading off this episode when I get to my stock up. But uh, speaking of stock up, let's just get into it. And there is a lot here. Like, no crap when you, no duh, when you win by 31 to 10, when you blow out one of the best teams in the NFL by 21 points, there's going to be a hell of a lot of stock up players. So stock up, QB Josh Allen. Now you're going to look at these stats and say, that's not that impressive, Aiden. Why are they in stock up? Just let me explain. 7 of 15, which was 47%. For 94 passing yards and one passing touchdown, but on the ground, 24 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. Josh did the same thing on the ground as he did last week. Remember last week he was he was supposed to be tagged at like the five-yard line, but his O-lineman and him just kept trudging along, trudging along. That's because he's a freaking tree trunk out there. Josh is a tree at 6'5". It's less than 237. It's probably like two for pushing 245. So we'll just say like 6'5", 240, somewhere ballpark. And he did it again this week. I mean, the guy just keeps his legs going and going and going. He's literally like a big running back. Now, when he gets in the open field, he can juke you. He can hurdle you, except he hasn't done that this season to make us hold our breaths and get injured. But the point is, he's an alien when he gets out in the open field. And he's an alien with his arms. So he really don't know what he's doing. But the passing numbers, once again, 7 of 15, 47% completion percentage, only one passing touchdown, but no interceptions. I, I do believe this is Josh Allen's first game. Now, some of his interceptions haven't costed us in the past, this season. A lot of them have. But this is his first game since, like, week four, I think, against the Dolphins, where he doesn't have an interception because he has 14 on the year. So let's, let's, let's leave that be. That's already way too much as it is. A quarterback like that should only have, like, nine or ten at most. He's probably never going to have single-digit interceptions, but that's just reality of who Josh Allen is. You take the alien with the occasional bad. Hope that makes sense. Um, But, yeah, I mean, this was awesome. So 7-15 was 47%. He really should have been 11-15. You could argue 12-15, but the 12th one was Gabe Davis not locating the ball. But let's say he should have been 11-15. Okay, so the eighth completion would have been the Diggs drop. Stefan Diggs dropped a little five-yard pass for a first down. The ninth completion would have been a Dalton Kincaid drop. Um, the ninth and tenth completions were Dalton Kincaid. Again, none of these passes were really deep bombs. They only went one or two deep bombs this whole game, and couldn't on the one he couldn't connect to A. Davis. Dalton Kincaid dropped that, and then the nine, nine, ten, and then the eleventh completion would have been James Cook and a little wheel route. He would have had a. Now, I think if he caught it, he had a chance to out-athlete, what was it, Micah Parsons or somebody? I, it doesn't really matter. It was the third quarter. The Bills had him well in hand, but it would have been cool for him to get that second receiving touchdown, but whatever. So, he, in reality, Josh Allen should have been 11-15, which would have been 80% completion percentage, but he was 7 because four drops by his receivers, one by Cook, one by Diggs. Not in this order, but one by Cook, one by Diggs, and two by Kincaid. 
So I, I don't really blame him, but it's wild that we can win with him only attempting 15 passes. Um, he has the most games in a row. What was the stat? Either in a row or in total. Same thing, basically. He has the point is he has the most games in the, in the NFL currently if active players or history. I, I don't know what it was. I should probably find that. Let me go to the Bills Twitter account because I really don't want to mess this up. I, I want to give Josh's recognition whenever I can praise Josh. It's it's awesome. Um, I'll be should have had this prepared before. I it just came to me right now, so you know. Um, blah, blah, blah. there's a lot to scroll through here. Okay, I don't think I'm gonna find it. No, maybe I am. During the game, doesn't matter. Oh, maybe it's right here. Because they were tweeting like updates during the game. No, that's not that. That's Stefan Diggs. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Sorry about that. Um, Josh Allen, most games in a season. Yes, yeah, so I was right. This season. Most games in a season ever with a rushing and passing touchdown. So not in a row, but most touched, most games in a season ever with a passing and rushing touchdown. I mean, he's a dual threat. You, you got to be like, as a defensive coordinator, you got to be up at night. Are you going to stop his arm? And then now that Buffalo has a running game, what are you going to do there? And then Josh Allen becomes a running back in the open field. And then on occasion, a lot of times he'll burst out a hurdle or he'll just literally like stiff arm you in the ground and you'll be embarrassed. Or he'll just keep going when, like last week and this week, where he's supposed to be tackled, the five guard line just keeps going and going. I mean, it's like a freight train coming at you, 6'5, 240. So, yeah, I, I will get into the da- dynamics of why Josh Allen had to only passed 15 times and what that means for our offense going forward and how how it can d- diversify things, if you will. So, But I'll get into that in my final thoughts slash questions segment uh, a bit later on. And then running back James Cook. How, I, I'm going to say these numbers, and these are like jaw-dropping. 25 carries. Let's start there. After only 10 rushes last week, what did I say? Let's go back to last week. Rewind a bit. Let's go back and rewind a bit. What did I say on this recap? What have I been saying all season on these recaps, especially the last few, or especially last week? Make James Cook be a bell cow. Let James Cook, if you will. Like, it's true. Let James Cook. So, so I feel like they're going to be making T-shirts about that. Let James Cook, but um, if they are, I want to get one. The Bills, but let James Cook because only ten rushes last week, and he hasn't hit more than fifteen rushes in like three or four games. Let him be a Belka, though. I've been saying, forget Latavius Murray, and then Ty Johnson can come in here and there to spell James Cook, and for a little change of pace back, because Ty Johnson's kind of a mix between Murray and Cook, and he's a great pass blocker too. But and by the way, Cook's pass blocking ability is improving. He's just not really there. He's average, I would say. High end of average, but average. But James Cook, he got the bell cow treatment. 25 carries, 179 rushing yards. One rushing touchdown then through the air on just two catches. 42 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown. I want to say that whole thing again. 25 carries, again. Ding, ding, ding. Bell cow treatment, 179 yards, one rushing touchdown, two catches through the air, 42 receiving yards, 
one receiving touchdown. When you can impose your will like that on a Cowboys team, hell, they were tired by halftime. Demarcus Lawrence, great run stopper. Osa Digizua, breakout year, supposed to be a great run stopper. I know they didn't have Jonathan Hankins, but they had Mozzie Smith. That was his best trade at Michigan. Great run stopper. The rookie. Their first round pick is bad at this point in season, but for this game in particular. None of them did. I don't swear. None of them did anything. Nothing. I will get the offense line in a minute, but James Cook just imposed his will. And like, I, I honestly, I'm going to be honest here, just like probably you guys, I honestly never thought when we drafted him in the second round last year in the 2022 NFL draft out of Georgia that he could be a bell cow because he split time with Zemir White. Um, who started for the Raiders, but he split time with Zemir White. He's never had over 100, 200 carries in a season in high school or college at Georgia, not even his rookie season with the Bills. Well, he's going to hit well over that with the Bills here, his second year in the league. And I never thought because of his frame, he's like 5'10", five, uh, five, like 195. But it looks like he's bulked up a bit, and it looks like he's not as hesitant. I've said multiple times in the podcast, James Cook is great, but he kind of has twinkle toes. In the last few games in particular, he hasn't hesitated. He has moved. He's elusive. Once he gets an open field, good luck. He's not like a straight-line burner. He's not like a – who's a burner of a running back? There's not many running – Devon A. Chan or Raheem Mostert. He's not like them. Devon A. Chan is basically a perfect, actually a perfect example because they're both kind of small-ish. Devon A. Chan is like a tiny frame, but they're kind of small, both small – but James Cook, I feel like it runs harder, but obviously a chance of burner, but you don't always have to be a burner. Not not a, only a few select running backs in the league are a burner and elite or close to it. But James Cook is a great running back. When did he get in the open field? Good luck. He's very elusive and very, and again, he's not a burner, but he just has that quickness, and he's hitting the hole with some veracity. He's hitting the hole with, uh, I don't know if I used that word right, <laughs> he's hitting a hole with conviction. There it is. He's hitting a hole with conviction. He's His vision is greatly improving from even even a few weeks, honestly, a month or so ago this, this season. He's just awesome, awesome. I've been wanting him to get the Belco treatment, and he has. Forget Latavius Murray. But speak of Ty Johnson to come in there once in a while. Running back Ty Johnson, nine carries, 94 yards, one catch for four yards, or er, Wait, I'm sorry, 54, not 94. Nine carries, 54 rushing yards, and then one catch for four yards, whatever. But 54 rushing yards, like I said, he got banged up a little bit. He's really the only injury from this game. He went back to the locker room for a drive, but then he was back in the very next offensive drive. Like I said, he can come in and spell James Cook a little bit. I know Latavius Murray got a rushing touchdown this game, but, like, spoiler alert, he's not in my stock up because he can't. Like, sometimes he couldn't even get a yard when he was supposed to. So, let Latavius Murray walk. Let Damon Harris walk. There's certain – what I'm trying to get at is there's certain positions on this team, actually quite a few, believe it or not, that are going to have overhauls that we're going to see change a lot. Safety. This is just my opinion, all my opinion. Safety, defensive tackle, wide receiver, and running back. I feel like James Cook obviously stays. Yeah, duh. But Ty Johnson is a perfect RB3. Now, if he's your RB2, you don't have great R running back, RB running back depth. 
But maybe draft a younger Latavius Murray, like a Blake Corum in the third or fourth round, because you'll be able to get a good running back in the same style as Latavius Murray, just a younger version in the third or fourth round, because the first running back in this draft class is probably not going till mid third round at the earliest. So eh, early third round, maybe at the earliest, whatever. Blake Corum. Audric Estime, I would love Audric Estime. I'm a Notre Dame guy. You guys know, well, maybe not, but you know now, I'm a Notre Dame guy. So, someone of that ilk, if you will, someone like that. So, but or Ty Johnson, nice change of pace back for James Cook, and he's the reason why Leonard Fournette doesn't see the field. He hasn't been elevated from the practice squad. Now, in the playoffs, if you want to elevate him and Latavius Murray, be if you want to elevate uh, Lenny here a uh, playoff Lenny Leonard Fournette then b- go ahead be my guest and have Latavius Murray active inactive I have no problem with that but under no circumstance should, jo- should Ty Johnson be inactive ever if anyone elevate Leonard Fournette have Latavius Murray inactive but I don't know Ty Johnson is the reason why Leonard Fournette hasn't been inactive he's in a change of pace back if you will and then I said I'll get the offense line in a minute. Want to talk about James Cook? Well, here it is. The entire offense line. But I want to shout out uh, two guys in particular. One, Deion Dawkins. I've said this before. His offseat, like his quote unquote. Now, this didn't come from me. I'm just saying, like, even internal Bills fans and media, his quote unquote drop off in the off last season. People are talking about in the offseason. Should we have a succession plan for Deion Dawkins as early as next year? I don't really think that's the case. Like you can extend him and have create more cash space. I think a two or three year extension is very, very much on the table. And then he's probably elite and have his best season in his career. Not by far, because his second and third year in the league is pretty good. Um, and then Spencer Brown, it was a bold move. It was heavily criticized by me of most of all people on this podcast in the offseason that Brandon Bean didn't do anything to address right tackle. The only thing it did was bring in Brandon Shell in June, which he retired. And that's really it. He didn't do anything in draft. He didn't get any big fish like Mike McGlinchey, even though I wanted him really bad in March to replace Spencer Brown or compete with Spencer Brown. He didn't do anything in the draft, not even a late run swing. And Tommy Doyle towards ACL, that's as good as it got. But he he obviously has confidence in Spencer Brown and had confidence in Spencer Brown, still does. And I applaud him for not moving. It's kind of like Terrell Bernard not moving on his convictions, if you will. And then linebacker, now going over the defense, there's a hell of a lot, heck of a lot of players here. So linebacker Tyrell Dotson, eight tackles and half a sack. Tyrell Dotson, now I know a few weeks ago, going into a game a few weeks ago, he was the highest graded linebacker, PFS. PFF, PFF, Pro Football Focus. He was PFF's highest graded linebacker in the entire league, in the whole NFL, in the entire NFL, I should say, rather. So I didn't believe it, but now I believe it. Like, very skeptical of Tyrell Dotson. Now, if you want him to cover, that's a different story. He's very, very limited athletically. He he ain't covering nobody, not even a running back. He ain't doing that. Don't ask him to do that. But when he, when he, when he's asked to trigger and go from his linebacker position, when he's asked to trigger and pick up a blitz play, he's awesome. He's a great downhill player. Again, coverage, different story. But spe- specifically his trigger ability and downhill ability, he's awesome. Like, I will admit, 
he's awesome. Now, I don't know if you want to resign him this offseason as he's a free agent. I, I probably wouldn't, but the Bills probably will. I, I'm only saying I wouldn't. Now, I'll break down free agency, our internal free agents and our targets when we get the offseason. Hopefully, it's not until February. Wink, wink. Super Bowl win. Um, whatever. But, yeah, yeah. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, caught up. When Tyrell Dotson a free agent, I don't know if you don't want. I wouldn't resign personally because you have Dorian Williams who can do kind of both at a high level and kind of a Tremaine Emmons type or as a high-level tackler. But Tyrell Dotson, great downhill ability. Just don't ask him to cover. And then linebacker Terrell Bernard, he didn't have any wow splash plays. He has all season. Trust me. He's had way more splash plays than Tremaine Emmons ever have. Has in a year for Buffalo. Heck, his whole five-year career here. Five tackles for Terrell Bernard. I thought he picked up, like, Blitz counters perfectly from the offense line. I thought he shedded blocks very, very well. Think back all the way, which feels like a century ago at this point, an eternity ago, all the way to week one. I criticized him because he just got rocked on blocks. He's not the biggest linebacker, guys. He's only like 6'1", 230. Uh, it, actually, I think he's like 6'1", 225, ballparking it, if I remember. If memory serves, I remember correctly. But, man, he sheds block at a very high level now. And he just picked up blitz counters from the offensive line greatly to a T. And he's opening lanes for his other linebackers. Like you had Tyrell Dotson, great downhill player, and Terrell Bernard, who's a great downhill player and becoming a great coverage player and makes splash plays, fumbles, interceptions, tackles, etc. Now he's not the, the only knock on him is not knock, but the only thing he doesn't do as well as Edmonds is he's not the tackler and athlete Edmonds was, but he's a pretty good damn, pretty damn good athlete, high level. But I mean, I, Terrell Bernard, I am going to have to eat crow on this because I said, but I didn't just say this. Other podcasters did as well and media members of the Bills beat and whatnot. That Terrell Bernard isn't starting middle linebacker. The Bills didn't have one on the roster. And Tyrell Dotson was in the race for starting middle linebacker. And now he's playing weak side linebacker, which is even more impressive because he has both experience with both now. Uh, cornerback or cornerback. A handful of defensive linemen here. Defensive end Greg Rousseau. He had two tackles, half a sack, and two QB hits. Greg Rousseau, I keep saying he's finally healthy. I'll get into like the dynamics with his fifth-year option and my final thoughts or questions. I know I keep saying I'll get into this, get into that in my final thoughts or questions segment, but I have a lot to get to there and say. So, But for Greg Rousseau in particular, I think this is great for a defensive line that literally everyone's a free agent except, like, Van Miller and that Oliver and Greg Rousseau. I think Greg Rousseau is – now, yes, the Bills don't have a dude on the defense line like a Khalil Mack, like a Daniel Hunter, like a T.J. Watt, Miles Garrett, Michael Parsons, so on and so forth, Max Crosby even, Trey Hendrickson on the Bengals. I could keep going to pass rushers because the league's full of elite ones now. Even under a couple underrated ones in the crop, Max Crosby and Trey Hendrickson. But back to my point of Greg Rousseau, I was saying they don't have a dude, but Greg Rousseau could turn into that if they play if he develops nicely. And defense on Shaq Lawson, two big stack up for me, two tackles and two QB hits. He was even when he didn't hit the quarterback, he was getting pressure, especially early in the game. The first couple drives by the Cowboys, he forced a couple punts. He was very close on a couple different sacks as well. Defensive end Leonard Floyd, one sack. Like I said, he's a free agent. He's probably going to – the Bills probably will get have like a one-year, like 
five million dollar deal on the table for him, but he's probably gonna want more than that now. Now that he has 10 sacks. Fun fact, actually, nice little bonus for him. With his 10 sack, 10 sack of season hitting double digit sacks, he earned a $1 million incentive last yesterday, so that's great for him. Defensive tackle at Oliver, one tackle, one pass deflection. He was close on a couple sack, one sack, uh, sack as well. Defensive tackle Jordan Phillips, he finally did something, guys. One sack and one pass deflection. He even tipped it up, and then Ed Oliver should have intercepted it, but it's a defensive tackle, so you can't really blame him. But just imagine two defensive tackles working together for an interception. A 340-pound defensive tackle tipping it up to a 280-pound defensive tackle intercepting it. That would just be wild. It's not tip drill like in the secondary with the corners, but Grunfeld finally did something. I still don't want to re-sign him this offseason. I still don't think he deserves keeps Puna. Um, mouth is kind of weird there. Um, I still don't think Jordan Phillips prevents Puna Ford from being active. I think he should be, but yeah. Um, corner and then a handful of secondary guys as well. Cornerback Taron Johnson, seven tackles, one pass deflection. Ever since there was a stretch of games where Bengals game, Broncos game, Eagles game, Sean McDermott was stupid all blitz tendencies late in games left Taron Johnson out on an island and he'd he would get defensive pass interference. What do you expect when he's on an island like that? But he hasn't had Taron hasn't had to go one on one and be out there on an island, if you will, with with receivers in that, that. So that's why he's finally not drawing penalties. So I think I think him and Mike Hilton are up there in terms of like the best slot corners in the league. Like Trent McDuffie of the Chiefs, Devon Witherspoon of the Seahawks, and now he's only a rookie. And McDuffie's only his second year in the league. And Johnson and Hilton are veterans, but that's who I would consider. And then cornerback Rasul Douglas. I know he only had two tackles, but he was very, very close on an interception. We only had one interception in this game. Honestly, we should have had five. We dropped like four of them, especially Benford dropped one right, literally right in his chest and just scored it out of his hands on like the very first drive of the game. So Dak got lucky there. Speaking of Christian Benford, he cornerback Christian Benford, one tackle, two pass deflection, one interception. He did eventually get that interception in the third quarter or fourth quarter when they were trying to come back. Safety Taylor Rapp, eight tackles, one tackle for loss. Now, in coverage, Taylor Rapp, not that impressive, but when he's when he's blitzing, he's great, except he hasn't had to do that much this season, let alone play much this season. But he was pretty decent coverage today, but he his trigger ability on that tackle for loss was really great. And then safety, Jordan Poyer as well, six tackles, one pass deflection. He, he's lost the step just like Hyde, but not as much as Hyde this year, I feel like. Um, because he hasn't had the neck injuries he's had or injuries really altogether. Well, last season he had a bunch and he was playing through a bunch, but whatever. He picked up the slack for him, Taylor Rip, and Micah Hyde being out. So, and then safety, Cam Lewis, five tackles, one pass deflection. He was key in that last drive that led to us, the Cowboys, punting in the dagger, if you will, and us scoring. He made a huge tackle for only like a two yard gain. And then he made a huge pass breakup on third down that forced the Cowboys punt. So when Cam Lewis is your fourth safety as an a special team, and then he can come in there in certain packages when Jordan Poyer, when they go with a dime look and Tyros Austin comes out, Jordan Poyer goes down to linebacker with Terrell Bernard and Taylor Rapp and Cam Lewis are your traditional safeties. That's what dime look is called. Um, if you didn't know that, but it's advantageous for certain packages. It's advantageous, advantageous for 
obvious passing downs because you want to get someone bigger and, uh, and just better trigger ability there. But when he's your fourth safety, that's great. And then offensive coordinator Joe Brady. Again, I'll say it again in my final thoughts slash question segment. I will get to how Joe Brady will fit in for the future. But teaser, I hope he stays. Um, and we're three and one under him. And honestly, the Eagles game was not his fault. It was just Sean McDermott and his blitz happy all blitz tendency. Speaking of Sean McDermott, he was awesome this game. Even like operationally, right? When Stefan Diggs caught that football in the very first quarter on like our first offensive drive of the game that led to us going up seven nothing, Stefan Diggs did fumble the ball before his knee at the ground. The rest didn't say a word about it. But it was great operation by the Bills because if you snap it, they can't Dales can't challenge it, the refs can't review it. And they did snap it very, very quickly. So go down Sean McDermott to notify his team, hey, if they challenge this, we're not we're gonna lose it. But or the Cowboys are going to win their challenge. Mike McCarthy will. So great operationally offense and great situational decision by Sean McDermott. Just go quick and hurry up. And then defensive line pressure. I I said against the Chiefs, it was kind of very, not kind of, very inconsistent in the mixed category for me. But whether it was, I just explained, Greg Rousseau at Oliver, Jordan Phillips actually did something for once. Leonard Floyd got his 10 sacks this season, earning him, earning him a $1 million incentive. That's great for him. I know IJ Epinesa wasn't there, but um, Von Miller, I forgot to even mention this. Defenseman Von Miller, he finally, finally showed up. Now, he wasn't credited with a sack because on the Jordan Phillips sack, he kind of just like pounced on the guy just <laughs> to get in the party, I guess. But he finally showed up. He still can shed blocks very well. He's still getting pinballed back quite a bit. But he's finally – no, I don't think he has his athleticism back. I don't think he ever will because he's had like three torn – well, two torn ACLs in his career and third – very significant knee injury, but I don't think he'll ever go back to the form he was like even in Buffalo last year, but he's finally getting back somewhat. Uh, so the deep line pressure was pounding all game. And the minimal penalties, the only penalties, there were no false starts, only like one or two holding penalties, but that was like, it didn't really matter. That was in like the third slash fourth quarter. And it was Osiris Torrent, who's a rookie, so it's understandable. He's kind of hit a rookie wall lately. He was probably the worst offensive lineman out of the five. Deion Dawkins and Spencer Brown really stood out. But he he did okay yesterday. Next, I only have two here, but running back Latavius Murray, I kind of teased this would be in my mixed category earlier. Five carries, 11 yards, one touchdown. James Cook and Ty Johnson were great. Latavius Murray, not so much. I just don't understand the infat – what's that word? Infatuation with him. Um, Love for him. Excuse me. Love for him because – he really doesn't even do what he was brought in to do, get like one or two yards. I I said it. James Cook, bell cow, awesome. Get the bell cow treatment. Ty Johnson come in for a dispel James Cook here and there. Um, change the pace back, if you will. Do a little bit of everything and mix between Murray and Cook. Why does he hear Stefan Diggs? Four catchers for 48 yards. Like I said, he had one like little five-yard drop that would have been a for sure first down in like the second but drive of the game. That has plant. Luckily, it didn't really matter. It's just one drop. But yeah, I mean, he was targeted five times. He would have had five catches, but four catches for 48 yards. I mean, and Josh on that like little third quarter drive that had us after the Cam Lewis forced a punt with excellent tackle and coverage. I just mentioned in the stack up, huge for huge for him. Um. Uh, what was it? Josh Allen kind of threw a really bad ball, and but 
Stefan Diggs extended, went up with one hand and got it cleanly. I mean, I don't know. That's like berserko mode. I, I don't know how he even did that. Really bad ball by Josh, but wow. Like, but he did have that drop. So he's in max. Doc down. Why is here Gabe Davis? I'm done talking about Gabe. I'm done, man. He is ruining his free agency value this offseason. But game by game, it's dissipating. Game by day, game, his outlook is dissipating, not just for the Bills, but for the whole league. But I said it before, and I'll keep saying it. He's going to get overweight because of his size. Someone's going to pay him $12, 13000000 a year, and I'm not going above $10 million a year. I, I said $10.5, 11 I'm not shutting it down. It, 10 and that might be even generous a bit. He's a captain. There's been multiple games this season where he doesn't have a single catch. The last two games in a row against the Chiefs and Eagles, respectively, not a single catch and only like three targets. And, yes, it was kind of an underthrown ball with Josh. Say what you want, but Gabe can at least try. He's 6'2". At least try. Like, at least try to locate the ball. Look up. At least try to jump or do something. I'm done. Like, he's a captain. He's the C on his jersey. His teammates are still confidence in him. And, my confidence in him is an all-time low, but it has been all year. So what do you expect? And then tight end Don Kikade, fortunately, I think he's going to be a superstar. Yes, I'm going as far as superstar as early as next year. Hell, we've seen star potential as early as this season, right? But he had two really bad drops, easy five-yard first down catches. So, unfortunately, he'll go and stock down. He had two targets for the whole game, and he dropped those two targets. So, And then punter Sam Martin, he had decent punts, but the problem I have is two – Honestly, two punts that should have been blocked. You got got to clean that up. I really think, although the second one was a Sam Williams, Cowboys defensive end, one of their premier ace special teamers, I guess. Falled on Sam. Falled. Whew. Fell. Proper grammar. <laughs> one, Sam Williams fell on um, Sam Martin. But still, so that was automatic 15 penalty for roughing kicker, automatic first down. Clear and obvious. But two near... Blocks. I think Matthew Smiley, special teams coordinator, has got to go. Like, it's not just kicking with Tyler Bass. He, by far, is the worst year of his career. It's not just punting with Sam Martin. He's been terrible, but it's also the kick and punt coverage. And you pay players for that specific reason. Tyler Madikiewicz, Saran Neal, and Cam Lewis, although he's playing more on defense, but those three in particular are on this team because of their ace special teams ability. You're paying players just for that reason and when your kick and punt coverage is really bad and you're always giving teams great field position it's all these like falls back in the special teams coordinator in my opinion so Matthew Smiley can like go I really need. and then stock down it's kind of a situational thing but drops like I said one by Diggs two by Kincaid one by James Cook that didn't really affect anything I don't know he probably wouldn't made the touchdown he probably would have been tackled right away but Michael Parsons or whoever it was I believe it was Parsons but yeah Speaking of Michael Parsons, the only stat he recorded was in the box score stat, stat sheet was two assisted tackles. So awesome, awesome. Praise Deion Dog. Praise the whole line. So, yeah. But drops were a big, not a huge issue this game because, again, it affected nothing. But big slice of the game war. Player of the game. I, you guys know where I'm going this. I'm not going any other direction. It needs to be said. Running back James Cook. What a game for Jimbo. Yes, that's what they call. What a what a game for Jimbo. Let James cook. This is what I wanted. Given the bell cow treatment, twenty plus carries a game, and twenty five to thirty total touches a game. Twenty seven total touches yesterday, uh, Sunday that is, because that's Monday. Today. Between the twenty five rushes or twenty five carries and the two catches, and he would have had thirty catches. We talked about that. He is so dynamic. 
So he's my big slice of the game. James Cook. Burnt slice of the game. Most disappointing player. Tight end Dalton Kincaid. I hate to do this. I have no issues with Dalton Kincaid going forward. Just two drops. Didn't really affect anything again. But in a playoff game, you can't do that. In a game against Miami Week 18, you can't do that. So that's why he burnt slice of the game. Now we're going to reflect on my five-game predictions from the preview last Friday. These are underdog fantasy player props. Um, I don't actually do it, but I just made an account to look. Tony Pollard over 51 and a half rushing yards, I predicted. he It happened, but a lot of it was garbage time runs. Like, he only had 11 carries. He got 52 yards, so he hit it by half a yard. But it happened, so we'll get it to him. C.D. Lamb over seven receptions. Now, that was a push less even, if you will. He got exactly seven receptions, and three of those receptions for 15 yards were on the final drive of the game where Bill's backups were in between D-line, linebacker, and secondary. So we'll just not count that. So we'll only count the four for the, my hit rate. And then Josh Allen over 35 and a half rushing yards. It didn't happen. But when he gets a rushing touchdown, like, I don't care. In a game like this, if if Bills players don't hit their props that I predicted, I really don't care. Like, it affected nothing. Stefan Diggs over six receptions. It didn't happen. He should have had five. One drop. He had four. So I went, oh, last one. Bills win the game. I predicted 30 to 27. Bills won. But exact score wasn't right. It was instead of 30 to 27, like I predicted, the Bills won 31 to 10. I'm happily wrong. Happily fine. Um, I'm I don't know how to phrase this. I'm gonna drive up. I said I would happily be wrong, and I was wrong at the score in a good way. Like it was just awesome. So I went, let's see the Tony Pilot one. We got that one, one one. See Lamb push. We're not gonna count that one. Josh Allen one was wrong, one of two. Stefan Diggs one was wrong, barely, but it was one of three. And then we'll give me half a point for this, but the score isn't right, but I don't care that the score wasn't right. So I got one and a half out of four. So that's a hit rate of, mind you, I've been really bad at these predictions this year. When we look back at the end of the year, it's going to be bad. So one and a half divided by four times 100, blah, blah, blah. 30, 38% on predictions this week. Yeah, not good. I think my best week has been three of five, and that's still, like, decent. Final thoughts on questions. I just kind of want to like praise this team in certain positions, certain situations. Um, This might be a bold statement. I don't know. You tell me in the comments below. Let's chat about it. The Bills are not losing another game in 2023. I'm saying that right now, meaning they will win the AFC East for the fourth straight year. They go at Chargers, Patriots, and then at Dolphins. So heading in over the next two weeks, if we went out and the Dolphins lose just one to the Ravens and Cowboys, oh boy, that Week 18 game at the Dolphins in and January will be first week of January will be electric. It will be for the AFC's crown, but I think they will win it. I think they'll win the AFC's for the fourth straight year. Like after all this, I have no doubt about this Bills team anymore. Like they're gonna end the season finish winning five in a row because there's no way the Dolphins beat both the Cowboys and Ravens, especially a pissed off Cowboys team like this, for getting blown out to the Bills. They might go zero and two in that stretch. Who the who knows? Like the Dolphins. So that would be great. But Week 18, I think we'll decide the division. We're not losing to the Chargers and Patriots, by the way. Patriots have Bailey Zappi in there. Yeah, he might be better than Mac Jones, but who cares? Like, it's Bailey Zappi. And then the Chargers, they have Easton Sick and the Raiders and Aiden O'Connell, out of all people and all players. I do like Antonio Pierce as the coach over there. Um, 
they just hung 63 points in the Chargers, and they just fired Brandon Staley. Oh, and the interim coach, Jeff Smith. Yeah, I know, weird name. <laughs> Jeff Smith, the outside linebackers coach, is promoted to interim coach. So, in his first game will be against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. So, good luck. We're going to score, like, damn near 60 that game. 70 that game if the Raiders did that. And then next, this game proved that the Bills didn't need Josh Allen to continue to constantly be Superman every single game to win. Just an overall fishing game from Allen will get the job done sometimes. I've been saying this for years since like Josh Allen's rookie year. Well, since Josh Allen became elite in 2020, they don't need him to be super in every game. Only attempting 15 passes, that's awesome. When you can impose your will, the offensive line can impose their will and physicality like that. And by the way, the Dallas had no answers for physicality. We totally, they were totally outmatched in terms of physicality, just in terms of everything. But this was awesome when you compose your will. So Josh, he said, he said, <laughs> he said in his post game interview with the media, like he always does. I feel like the kid in the class pro- that didn't do anything in the class project still got an A. No one liked that, right? But like, it's true. Still got a blowout win. Still got a dub without doing much. But that's awesome. I think. 11 of those passes were in the pass contempt were in the first half, and he only attempted four passes in the second half. That wasn't their game plan. Deion Dawkins said it. Josh Allen said it. I think James Cook said it too. Like, that wasn't their game plan going in, but ride the hot hand, right? If it's working, give Jimbo the ball. <laughs> keep going. Let James Cook. I'll keep saying it, but it's true. Um, Sorry, I was just looking at. Um, it's it's true. It was telling me some update about Chrome. Get nervous there. It, it I'll do. It. Yeah, I'll handle that later. It's true. And then going off of that, talking about James Cook. James Cook is a Pro Bowler. I think my four AFC Pro Bowlers right now because there's four in the AFC, four in the NFC. Uh, Raheem Mostert of the Dolphins, Travis Etienne of the Jaguars, Derek Henry of the Titans, just because it's Derek Henry and. Almost a thousand yards again. Then James Cook of the Bills. Yeah, sure. Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, Isaiah Pacheco, although he's missed a few games down the stretch here. And uh Divination, maybe he doesn't play a few games though. But those guys in particular, maybe you could consider, but that's who I have right now. Um, Moster, Etienne, Henry, and then Cook. Deion Dawkins and Spencer Brown are a very are an underrated tackle duo across the NFL. Like no one talks about them as a top, top tackle duo. And I think they're developing very nicely together. Spencer Brown, am I ready to say Spencer Brown's in franchise offensive tackle for years to come? Come like I am for Osiris Torrance, Cybo, if you will, as they affectionately call him. No, but it's trending towards that direction for sure. I have loved, absolutely loved Joe Brady's offensive play calling through four games so far this season in that role. I really hope the Bills do the right thing and keep him as our permanent offensive coordinator. Our I mean the Bills, as our permanent offensive coordinator. Take the inner tag off him because he's been awesome. He's he's finally doing what Ken Dorsey could never do. Let James Cook, like I keep saying, that's the mantra going around right now. Over the over the next few days, I'm sure it will. Over the last couple of days, after yesterday, oh boy. But take the intern. He's using James Cook best to play out of the backfield and giving him the bell touch treatment. I love it. A lot of big decisions are coming at defensive end this offseason. Van Miller's huge contract and future with this. Team might have to be discussed and probably will be. AJ Epinesa, Leonard Floyd, Shaq Lawson, and Kings Jonathan are all free agents. Right now, I'd value AJ Epinesa at like five to seven million per year. 
He's probably gone though. And Leonard Floyd, I would value five million, maybe like a one-year five million down deal. And then Shaq Lawson, maybe like two million. And Kingsley Jonathan, maybe like not even a million. They're all free agents, and you'll have to decide in Greg Russo's fifth-year option. Now, a fifth-year option, if you don't know, is a set number after first after the first round picks, third year in the league. So at the 2021 first round picks, their teams will have to decide on them one through 32. So I think I grew so I'm pretty sure the bills will pick that up. It's 14 point something million. That's kind of a lot for an edge rusher. But when you look at like TJ, wow, what he makes at 25 per year and Nick Bosa at 29 per year, you kind of understand it. Uh, AFC East recap. The dolphins beat the jets 30 to nothing. Like there goes Zach Wilson's AFC offense for the week last week. Like, mm. And then, Chiefs beat Patriots 27-17. Patriots hung around for a half, and I was getting so excited that they were going to beat the Chiefs. Well, they didn't, though. NFL. Now, my NFL topic of the day, MVP race. I want to give my top five ballot a few honorable mentions, too, for MVP because I know it's a hot-button topic right now, especially after Dak had a really bad game yesterday, and Brock Purdy continues to be excellent this season, and Lamar just continues to be excellent on the ground and through the air this season. So three honorable mentions. I have one quarterback and two non-quarterbacks. Now I just accepted that this is a quarterback award, but if it if it were if there was an outlier here, if it were to go to a non-quarterback, I have Tyreek Hill, wide receiver of the Dolphins, and then Christian McCaffrey, running back of the 49ers, running back slot receiver, outside receiver, literally does everything, utility bell. And then my one honorable mention, actual quarterback, is Jared Goff. His weapons are on me young. I'm on Ross St. Brown. He's elevated I'm on to the elite category just like CD Lamb, but I'm on particular elite receiver tier. He's elevated Sam Laporta into one of the best tight ends in the whole league as a rookie. Top five, at least like top eight. You get my point. Shamir Gibbs, David Montgomery. I never thought David Montgomery was that good, but he's elevated him. Dan Campbell, I love the culture over there. Ben Johnson is probably gone. Like Chargers head coach this offseason or Bill Belichick leaves Patriots. I would look for the Chargers though with Justin Herbert, but Jared Goff has elevated his weapons. So, very young weapons. And then Jameis Williams, now I think, is off the field. It Like, actions, he's got to improve with that gambling and all that. His suspension is, like, eating habits. He's posted on Instagram, like, McDonald's in his bye week and whatnot. But I'm not criticizing. I'm just bringing it up. Um, yeah, he's elevated James Williams as well, who barely plays. But when he gets in there, it's because of Jared Goff. And I felt top, uh, MVP race. So I'm going to give my top five. I'm Actually, I was going to go 5-1, but I don't want to create suspense. It's kind of a longer episode, so I'll go 1-5. to five. One, this might surprise you, Brock Purdy. I don't care what quote-unquote stigma is around him. You, people got to get over this. Like, just because Brock Purdy was a – just because Brock Purdy was Mr. Elvent, the very, very last pick of the draft last year, 2022, that NFL draft that is, and just because he's in a system like Kyle Shanahan that can make any quarterback look elite – you can't admit that he's elite. Like, I, yes, he has great weapons. George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, for sure. Um, Elijah Mitchell is a decent running back, backup running back, too. Can't stay healthy, though. But Debo, Brandon, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, those four in particular. Like, yes, he has elite weapons around him. But also, Brett Purdy is elite. Like, he's hit at least 300 passing yards in, like, three of the four last game, his four last games. Uh, two. Lam- two's Lamar. I'm just – Three stack. I had these flipped before yesterday. Honestly, these top three, you could argue like they're in their own tier, but Dak had a really bad game against the Bills yesterday. They kind of embarrassed him. He should, he only threw one interception. He damn near should have threw 
five through five. Um, but yeah, um, Dak has elevated C. Lamb and elite tier receivers though. But Lamar, you can just you can just um, you can't stop him. Basically, he's electric on the ground. He's electric through the air. He has underrated arm strength. And like I've said in the past, Lamar's not in this podcast before I started this podcast. Pretty much, I've said in the past in just football discourse and discussion with my family and friends and whatnot, that Lamar is overrated because there's rushing ability. Same with Kyler, but Lamar's definitely elevated. I'm not going to say that anymore. And then four, Jalen Hurts, five, Josh Allen. You can flip these two, in my opinion, like Josh could be four. The top three really separate themselves, and I will recap my MVP candidates right now. Honorable mentions, Jared Goff, Tyreek Hill, and Christian McCaffrey. Hill McCaffrey, just because it's not a quarterback award. Like, yeah, and then Brock Purdy won, two Lamar Jackson, three Dak Prescott, and then there's kind of a teardrop, if you will, not big, but there's a teardrop with four Jalen Hurts and five Josh Allen. You can flip those, and you you can convince me any of the top three win MVP. Um, so yeah, I know that was a really longer episode than usual, but I hope you guys enjoy it. I lo- just love going on and on about blowout wins. I love this feeling, and it's awesome. I screamed at my TV and joy so many times. Like, I'm really convinced we're going to win the Super Bowl. Like, this is an all-time high for the Bills. Like, I'm getting, like, I feel like I'm getting a sugar rush right now watching that game yesterday. It was like being at a four-hour carnival. It was like being at a three-and-a-half, four-hour carnival. Like, it just never stopped. Like, this amusement and excitement never stopped. And that is a great feeling when you when you can just um, impose your – sorry, impose your – I was looking at something. Impose your will like that on a team with James Cook. And I will just say this. You can follow me on Twitter at AYNGUNAT13 and follow the show on Twitter at Run the Slice. And I especially want to emphasize that this week because I'm trending towards not having, unfortunately, a preview for the Chargers Bills game. I got a busy week and Saturday, Christmas next Monday. And the Saturday kind of throws it off, the Saturday game, Saturday night, I should say. So I probably won't have a recap either. Next time I'll be here is like the Patriots preview. So, but follow me on Twitter as well as the show for scheduling updates and that and just score prediction, whatever. It will just be in written form. I apologize. And then you can watch us, listen to this podcast on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And lastly, you can fo- uh, support the show on Patreon for extra exclusive content for just $3 a month. That is patreon.com slash run the slice. I would greatly appreciate it. And thank you wherever you watch or listen. And lastly, let James cook.